Hi, guys. Fernandes Lockwood on this edition of On the Grid podcast. No Dennis Maffazzoli. Dennis, uh, we're handing out uh, flu shots today. Dennis went up to get his flu shot, and I think he came down with the flu. So I, I don't think he's going to be joining us today, Lockwood. Well, either that or he got lost back on the way down from the ninth floor. I mean, sometimes that's easy to do, but uh, hey, it's math. You never know, right? The ninth floor here is the penthouse. So he had a penthouse view. Maybe he likes it a little too much up there. Maybe he uh, got rid of his little corner office up here and decided to take the corner office on the ninth floor that overlooks, depending on where you are on the side, you can see the bay clearly or you got a nice view out to the east. I mean, heck, either one is good. I'm telling you, that 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 is the mountaintop up there. And so we're not going to hear his New Jersey accent today. you got uh, Lockwood and myself. Uh, Scott? Uh, as we touted on last week's show, it was district matchup last week. We had a lot of district games. Some of them were competitive. Others, d- depending whether it's district or non-district, they weren't competitive. Uh, how about the game you were at? You were at, you know, we, we, we gave a lot of props to John Bizoons. His Bayshore team had allowed three points, 3-0, and first time in probably school history. But they came, sort of came back down to earth a little bit, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they, they did. I mean, Southeast... I, I didn't. They, 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 Southeast defense has scored four touchdowns in their game against Lakewood Ranch the week before. You're know, thinking, no, nah, that's Lakewood. That's it's Lakewood Ranch. You're not having the best season in the world out there either. So let's see if Bayshore really was a, a real legit threat at three and zero, and they had struggled on offense too a little bit. And you know, Southeast, the their defense, they were the ones that um, stood up to the occasion the other night, and they just basically suffocated Bayshore. I think they had Bayshore had 48 yards in the first half, and. Uh, not much really going into the late stages of the game in the fourth quarter when the heat and the humidity kind of wore out the Southeast defense. They were out there so much. And that's just what happened, and Southeast came out on top. And at, looking at the 5A11 crowd, I think Southeast has got to be that favorite for that second that second seed in that district. I know. Bizoons was talking about you know district aspirations, going through the district undefeated. Well, now, obviously, that took a, that took a little wind out of their sails. Just lost. You know, we, we kind of knew that uh, – that their offense would suffer. Uh, it has suffered. Their defense has carried them. So I guess what do you do if you're John Bizoon? Just get back out there, correct what was uh, the mistakes, and get back at it. He was saying after the game, it could be personnel issues, it's execution. And he said, in my quote in my story, he was like, I'm the head coach. It's my responsibility to figure it out. So hopefully, uh, for their sake, they can find a way to get back on track. I mean, Trying to go undefeated in that district with Hardy County being in that district was kind of a kind of a, a kind of a reach. Right, it but, is. But uh, it, they still got a legitimate shot to be second or third. I mean, it's they're going to have to win some games to get a playoff spot. I mean, with that schedule of theirs with playoff points, now they work out. It's probably not the best in their favor, but uh, they might be a year away. I mean, they they had a seen. I guess there's a freshman quarterback who's coming up through the ranks. Looks pretty good there at Bay Shore, and they'll be okay in the future. I think. I was at uh, Sarasota. Uh, Northport, a game over at Irig Field, the 7A District 11 contest. You know, Sarasota goes in 0-3. They fall behind 26-10 to in the third quarter. I'm I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be 0-4 for Spencer Hodges' group, a district loss. And they come roaring back, scoring 20 straight points, uh, 30-26 victory. Northport was looking to go 2-1 for the first time in the program's history. They had this game in their back pocket, took their foot off the accelerator, and they had no defensive back uh, play. Uh, that's one thing that lacks in high school football is just guys who know how to play defensive back, get their heads around, get their hands up, defend without just running into the receiver for a uh, pass interference penalty. Yeah, there was a lot of pass interference calls in the uh, the Bayshore Southeast game, too, so that's right along what you were saying. And uh, 
when we were looking at the, watching the scores on unfold on Twitter and saying, "Yeah, Northport's going to win that one easily," thinking then see when we're done filing my story that Northport lost the game. It's like where did Sarasota come from with all those offense? I mean, they haven't. I don't think they scored that many points combined all season so far, and they come up with that in the second half. But good job for them, and uh, I guess they're uh, may not finish in the bottom of that seven a eleven race. So you know, I mean, I mean, they do have one player. His name is Keandre Collins. 12 carries, 165 yards. You know, I've seen a, a lot of fast players, but just watching him run the ball Friday, this guy looked like he was the fastest guy out there. Now, I'm sure he's not, but the way he was moving out there, Sarasota does have a running back threat, at least going forward. I mean, quarterbacking, uh, you know, that may be still up in the air. Uh, they also had a couple of players suspended for the game last week for a fight. Uh, Pack, uh, one of their wide receivers being one of them. So they overcame that. And uh, and now they uh, they play at Port Charlotte, non-district game. But let's just quickly go over the scores from last week. Manatee beating Lithian Newsom, nice win for Manatee. Yeah, forty-two to seven. And then you had Riverview getting by Lutz Steinbrenner, fourteen to seven. Did you have them winning by a bigger margin? What was the? Uh, I had them picked forty-two to seven in that game because right. they always beat them bad. And uh, our. Um, Buddy Mr. Saltz from there, the super fan, was doing some play-by-play on Facebook, and that's how we were reading some of the things on that. I think Riverview had a defensive touchdown early, and it was 14-7 at the half, and that was the end of the scoring. And something, Riverview, I've seen them twice, and you're going to see them this week. They just, something's not right with them this year on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, yeah, with Ollie Boyce and Puda Hayes, uh. they should be running up and down the field on guys, but... Um, I don't know if it's well, the Lions not doing what they need to do. Sometimes their defense actually played well last week, judging by all accounts. But I guess we'll see. And uh, they're in the they're in the team with Manti played last week, so you're going to see the district game. I think they're going to get back on track this week. I, I mean, uh, Arthur Brantley. Uh, maybe you don't realize how much a guy means to a team until you take him out of the equation. As we said before, he was the kind of guy who could make something out of nothing with his feet. And I think maybe Riverview is losing that sort of X factor early on. Hey. You know, I talked to Coach Smithers before the season. You know, they're gearing toward the end of the year. So, obviously, they still have some more growing to do uh, if you're the Riverview Rams. Uh, great game. Braden Rever uh, beating uh, Palmetto in a, uh offensive thriller, 59 points. Uh, I guess uh, Anthony Marino, Palmetto quarterback, uh, three, three odds short of uh, away from scoring the go-ahead touchdown. He was stopped. And uh, Braden River gets back, and uh, they do what they've done most of the time, which is win football games in the last couple of years. I like the Dave Marino's logic. I mean, yeah. they, there's been a couple times they've gambled this year trying to go for wins, and that was one of them. I mean, they were inside the 10-yard line with, what, two minutes to go in that game, and they could have easily played for the tie. But like he said, I mean, you're already at the 10-yard line. Overtime in high school football is four downs from the 10-yard line. So you're already in the situation. You might as well go for the win there. I mean, it's for district. you got playoff points on the line. Ties don't do you really any good, so why not? Why not go for it? And uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know, you, you look at a game like this and you wonder what happened. You know, where's the defense? But reading Marino's quotes or Bradley's quotes is they were plays made all over the field by offensive players making plays. He said, "What a football game! What a football game!" Uh, that was clearly the uh, the game of the week in terms of uh, two teams matched up and close scoring. Uh, yet another game, Venice beating Lakewood Ranch 65 to nothing. And that must have been running clock uh, at the opening kickoff. Well, they, uh, we knew going into that one that uh, Venice's, Venice's coaching staff was already yanking starters in the first quarter of that game. I mean, there's no sense in 
they they knew that Lake, they, Lakewood Ranch was overmatched in that game. It's just let's just face it. I mean, that's the way you can't really say it easier than that. But um, they had everybody on Venice got to play. Uh, I think Nico Delacosta is their backup quarterback, led right. the team in rushing the other night. And Sessa nine straight extra points. They had to think they had a safety. It's just every time you look up on the score feed, it was like they'd score, 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 and it was kind of what we thought it'd be. I mean, I think I predicted forty nine seven. Math said seventy nothing, and it was almost seventy nothing. Yeah, I actually predicted fifty points by halftime, and I missed it by one because they had fifty one points at halftime. Yeah, Lakewood Ranch has struggled for quite a few years, haven't they? Yeah, they have a new coach this year, and they're right. learning. They're learning a new way, and just give us some time. I think that his system will work. I mean, he's, he was a good college assistant, and uh, you mean I've interviewed him, spent some time with them over the early part of the summer, and I think he's got them on the right track. They just don't have a lot to work with yet, and obviously they're going through a lot of growing pains, kind of like what Sarasota's going through. You know, we talked about Charlotte, that tough loss. Well, not a tough loss. They got blown out by Venice. We kind of thought they'd bounce back. Uh, against Ida Baker, and they did 44-6. Uh, poor Charlotte lost a tough one to Cape Coral. I guess they were up on that, and then they lost uh, the lead late uh, in that game. And uh, they had Hardy just laying the lumber on Booker. Uh, I mean, I, I love Dumaker Atkins, but uh, he's got to find some way to get that thing turned around. Uh, and it starts with, obviously, playing clean football, which is... What Booker doesn't do a lot of times. And when I when I saw him earlier this year, there was a lot of penalties in the game. There was a lot of turnovers, and he knows he's got to clean it up. That's what he told me that night against Riverview. And it's uh, that five A eleven race, like we were saying before. It's Hardy County and everybody else. So there's they got a lot to play for. Just try to see where they are in that district. Um, I think they might they'll squeak out a win or two before the season's over in that district. I think they will, but. We'll see. I, th- I think they um, he's got his work cut out for him over there at Booker. Now you picked the St. Stephen's game. Was that an upset? <laughs> uh, did it go according to what you think? Forty-two to seven over. I think over I, I called it lower scoring because you know in these these smaller schools, there's not a lot of information out there on them. So especially if they don't keep stats for us to look at and go back and see, and you know when you don't know these teams, I think I picked seventeen fourteen. It wasn't uh, just because it wasn't a slap on either team; it was because of lack of information on the the opposing team. Of course, we I've mentioned before I've been to St. Stephen's during the preseason, spent some time with them, and. Yeah, you know, they're getting better as the season goes on. I mean, they had a lot to rebuild after losing Fred Billy to graduation. They still got some good defensive players on the side of the ball, and they that the game that they they're looking forward to next is not this week, but next week it's going to be a um, SSCA shootout or I mean showdown with ODA. And I did a story on ODA's defense last week. They're looking forward to that, and that's going to be a good one in a couple weeks. The same night as Venice Braden River, so we'll see uh, who ends up going to that game. It'll be a good one, whoever goes. Impressive win, ODA staying undefeated. Uh, 4-0 and on the season, beating uh, Bradenton Christian in the uh, State Athletic Sumf- uh, Conference Coral Bay Divisional Opener for both teams. You know, ODA, Chris Kempton, I guess he was on the staff before, and now he's the head coach. Uh, doesn't They don't get much... Publicity, obviously, uh, they get sort of lost among the bigger schools. But they're four and zero. You got to be very happy with where they're going. I went out there last week to talk to them about their defense, which had only given up fifteen points in those first three games. And when I saw that score, I mean, Bradenton Christians had some trouble scoring this year. And when they put up twenty four points on um, ODA, maybe it looks like they're trying to turn the corner up there a little bit for um, the Panthers up there. But um, yeah, they uh, they were happy to see us. I think that those four and zero versus three and one against um, St. Stephen's here next week. That's going to be your number two game, obviously, and uh, fun to watch for that level of football. 
No, it, it just, you know, we talked about it before. A team like Sarasota uh, goes 0 3, uh, looks like they're really scuffling. They come out, they win their district opener, and suddenly they're, they're at the top. I, I don't know who's tied with them, but uh, just amazing. We talk about these district me- games meaning something, and uh, Sarasota shows up at just the right time. Oh, they do. I mean, plus, and these districts, these teams know each other. I mean, even if it's under first-year coaches, I mean, they play each other every year. They know their styles. They know the players. And if there's going to be upsets, that's going to be where they happen since your district level of play. You know, looking ahead to this week, we had district games last week. Now we take a step back a little bit, non-district action. And and frankly, when you look at the matchups this week, are there any games? Do any games really stand out for you? We got two eight a six games. You have I'm going to be at Manatee Steinbrenner up at Manatee, and you're going to be at the Alonzo Riverview game. I think yes. those are the only two district games on the slate this week. Um, the game that has my attention is Fort Myers at Charlotte. Now uh, you got Fort Myers. I think they're number five or six in six a, and Charlotte's right on the outside of the the, the top ten in the rankings. And that should be a pretty good one. Usually, anytime those teams from the South come up this way, they usually, our area teams have shown they can take care of business. I mean, Dunbar came in, they were ranked high in 5A, and Charlotte ran them out of the stadium. So, I mean, Fort Myers, they've got some good D1 talent over there. I think it's going to be a close game. I actually think that Fort Myers might be able to pull the upset in this one. How about uh, Cod the Mooney's back in action? They're one of our undefeated teams, they travel to Lemon Bay. Uh, road action is always tougher for, for teams. So I mean, do you think it's a? Do you think uh, Co- Coach Meckley has that team uh, believing over there? Or is it too early to say? You think? I think they're starting to believe. Yeah. I mean, it's you're starting to see a lot of the same tendencies with them. You saw them earlier this year that we saw with the old Southeast teams back in the '90s with Meckley when he won two state championships back to back years. Um, I, I think they'll go down to Lemon Bay, and I think they're going to take care of business. I think they'll come out of that uh, with 4-0, 3-0, whatever it needs to be. Man, again, just, just watching Paul on the sideline, he's our senior coach in terms of years among all of them. But uh, I defy anybody to, to pick out somebody who's having more, a better time coaching high school football than, than Paul Meckley. He still has the enthusiasm of a guy much, much younger. Yes, he does. Uh, but the game that uh, everybody – would be interested from strictly a football standpoint is IMG Academy traveling out to Santa Ana. You know, if we still had a travel budget here at the Herald Tribune back when I first started here, we might be sending somebody out to that game. But that is clearly, in terms of uh, uh, rankings and matchups, that's the best matchup of the day, I would think, of the, of the Friday night. I did a story on Aiden Swanson, who is the uh, IMG's you know, punter, and that's somebody, it's kind of an unheralded weapon for a team like IMG. This kid is. Uh, the coffin, the coffin corner punt, the kickoff specialist. I mean, it's guy, it's guys like this that can change a game, especially in a one versus three matchup. According to the USA Today rankings, I think that um, this one's going to be televised on. I think Fox Sports Go, Fox Sports Florida is going to have it. There's a couple other ones that's in our story that I put on that's on our HT Preps website today, and uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. But by the time we get done with our stuff Friday night, you can hustle home and watch the second half of it, and. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think I've got a, a shootout predicted. IMG's won 40 games in a row, and I've got a sneaking suspicion that that streak might end Friday night. Yeah, I mean, in terms of traveling for games, I mean, we've had teams go to Georgia, Alabama. This is pretty much one of the longest road trips I can remember any one of our local teams taking. Right, I would have loved to have gone, but like we said, we don't have the travel budget that we right. used to, but... Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, like I said, I wish it was here, because then we'd be all over that game again, of course. But 
Right, yeah. uh, but but again, uh, again yeah. on the road, and it's a three hour time difference. Three hour, and so, they start till ten o'clock. Yeah, we wouldn't we yeah. wouldn't get it in the paper. Yep. at all. And the other thing about Matter Day is that when I was doing some research on this, this is the last year they can play a Florida team or or stuff like that because of the California rule change. They can't play teams from out of state that don't play for playoffs in their own state. So this is going to be the last time these two teams may ever see each other. Stepping away from football a little, no, let's stay on football. I have something. Uh, uh, I'm doing a uh, a semi-regular feature on Trey Burton, his first uh, year with the Bears, coming off a big Super Bowl win with the Eagles. We have another package coming out Sunday. But he is involved, in, and you know the details. Uh, I mean, he's always a family guy, wants to help other people. And what is he doing regarding points and touchdowns scored this year or receptions? I think what I saw – the thing that he's doing is making the donations per catch against human trafficking, which right. is um, he's always kind of been kind of a, a spokesperson against that, and I think it's really a neat deal. I mean, it just shows he's proud to be from this area. He's always been a, a class human being every time I've ever talked to him when you've talked to him, and it's just it goes to show you how good of a person he is donating this amount of money. I think it was $5,000 the other night mm-hmm. that went towards it, but uh, – Maybe for touchdowns, it's more. But for what he's doing, that's really a neat thing he's got going on. Yeah, one of the things he did in the offseason, among many things, was uh, went down to Santo Domingo, which uh, there's, a, there's a problem in the Dominican Republic with trafficking. And he got the ear of the governor and the, and the local officials in that town. And uh, they, they claim that they're going to do everything they can to help in the battle against trafficking. I guess that's one of the epicenters of trafficking. So... Yeah, he is the vote. He is the donating money. And, uh, you know, he got uh, off on the right foot. Uh, uh, Sunday night game. Uh, was it a Monday night game? Yeah, he, he had a touchdown in the Monday night right. game. Right. Yeah. It, it was on a shovel pass where yeah. basically he came across the line of scrimmage, uh, got the shovel pass. It was a one yard touchdown. And he also got a direct snap, uh, a la his days at the Gators, going forward for a first down. So the Bears are using Trey Burton. In a, in a, a variety of ways because he has a multitude of talents. Yeah, he absolutely does. And like we were just saying before, Venice, you really ought to be proud of him. That's really all we can say. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he'll be in action uh, again this week. Uh, you know, the Bears look bad in that uh, over to, in that loss to the uh, the Packers where they gave up a twenty to nothing lead. They came back, look better against the Seahawks, so they're on firm firm footing. And uh, let's let's talk about the local boy. I wrote about him something uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Willie Taggart, uh, obviously a star at Manatee, went on to Western Kentucky, took over the the uh, the Seminoles gig at our banquet. He talked about him this being his dream job. Well, not to use a cliche, his dream job has turned into a nightmare. Uh, really, the team is really looking bad. I mean, not just uh, offensively, but on all three phases of the ball. I mean, the defense has been the one shining factor. But uh, if you're Willie Taggart, are you hearing uh, are you hearing whispers up there in, in Tallahassee that you're overmatched as coach here, or is it too early to say that? I think the whispers are already starting, and the uh. seat may be starting to warm up a little bit already. I mean, they're not going to be patient for that up in Tallahassee. I mean, we watched. I watched part of that uh, Florida right. State-Syracuse game the other day. I think they got inside the 10 yard line and just they it was coaching and execution they didn't put any points on the board right before halftime that's that's a coaching mistake right there and they can't like we were saying before the show they I mean they don't line up right they're missing tackles all over the place their offense is just not getting it done and their quarterback was img a great quarterback was going to have a huge year last year before he got hurt 
He's got. They're just. They just look so overmatched out there. Even against Sanford two weeks ago, they should have lost to Sanford. Let's, let's be honest in that game. So they're a couple of plays away from being zero and three, and that's not how you want to start at Florida State. No, I, I mean a, a lot of people will say that uh, Jimbo Fisher didn't leave the program in good shape. Well, they came out ranked number nineteen in the preseason, so somebody thought that they had something to be ranked in the in the top twenty. And then their recruiting classes have been fairly high the last three or four years. So you're right. The hot seat, it, it's hot. Uh, they, you know, Everybody is so impatient nowadays wherever for success. So after three games, Willie's feeling it, and he knows he has to play uh, a little bit better. Uh, but back locally, uh, something happened last week that you don't see often, and that's uh, the Venice volleyball team. I know you wrote the story that Coach Wheatley, after getting, what, his 600th victory? Yeah. Uh, a tough loss last week uh, against a very good opponent, right? They lost to Tampa Plant in the final of the at the Battle of the Beach Classic right. in Venice, which was, I was surprised by that. But if you look at the ranking sheets, Plant is, Plant's ranked, and they're not, now they're number nine in the nation. Venice dropped all the way down to number 23 after that. And this was after Venice, I did a, I did a radio thing for WNG Radio last week where we were actually doing play-by-play for the, rematch against Tallahassee Leon and Venice has ran them out of the building so you're thinking and Leon was nationally ranked they were undefeated their tournament was the next weekend you think yeah they're just going to run through this run the table hoist the trophy get ready for the A6 challenge Chicago that they're getting ready to go to and a lot of teams on that national ranking list are going to see up there so and then Plant came back and just brought them back to earth I haven't I, I wasn't at the match so I don't know specifics but I was surprised when I heard that. And uh, Venice Plant, uh, that's always been a great matchup. Uh, I saw it uh, a couple years ago at the Berkeley premiere. That was a championship. It was every time it's state final quality matchup you see. Yeah, one thing about a, a Brian Wheatley coach team, it's like, okay, you lose early in the season. They'll learn from this. They'll shake it off. They'll get better. And they will mature as a team because that's been his track record. Oh, it always has been. I think that that one loss will wake them up. Um, I think that uh, when they go to Chicago, they'll come back even tougher, and I still think they are the team to beat in 8A for sure. Oh, there's no question. Uh, anything else? We're up to 22 minutes. Uh, anything else that we haven't touched on that might become – oh, well, we, we got away from it last week. Let's very quickly lock of the week. Uh, we forgot to do it last week, but we'll do it again this week, and we'll try to do it every week going forward. Just looking at the schedule – I'm sorry. I'm taking Port Charlotte. I don't think Sarasota has it. T- nice win last week, but I think they're going down to the into the Pirates' den in there, and they're going into a hornet's nest. And, and I'm going to take uh, Palmetto over Lake and Lake Gibson. I was um, looking at when I was doing our preview capsules that everybody will see on Friday. I just was not really impressed by what I saw from Lake Gibson. They're struggling team. I know they used to be pretty good up there, but Palmetto is going to be playing angry, and they're going to be playing at home. I just I don't see how Lake Gibson can keep up with them. Yeah, and now when we when we win on these things, we'll we'll definitely toot our own horns. But even if we lose, we'll come on here and say, uh, "Well, I know I'll be saying, Lockwood, what were you thinking?" Oh, uh, there's no <laughs> way I can match that because you'll just outwit me and outvoice me. So I just I'll just take it, whatever it is. Uh, and if we hear anything feedback regarding Dennis, we'll make sure we'll have him on next week's show. If we don't hear anything. Maybe we'll just keep him on the sidelines for the rest of the season. Well, he's going to be covering Brayden River Venice next week, so hopefully he's going to be here to talk about that game next week. If not, uh, we both know, I think, enough about that that we can talk about that game for 25 minutes alone next no, week. No, I think I, I think Dennis likes being on radio. I think he likes doing this, but apparently that, that flu shot really must have just uh, 
hamstrung him. I don't know. I got it. I got it too, and my left arm is still attached. But I think we're starting to fail a little bit here. You know, I have never gotten a flu shot in my life, and I think I've had the flu once in my life. Uh, So you know, going forward, I don't think I'll be getting the flu. You you better go knock on some wood, Fern. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. All right. Anything else? We're done. I think we. I think we covered it all. All right. For Fernandes, for Scott Lockwood. We'll see you next week on the podcast, breaking down the game of the year, Braden River and Venice. So until then, we'll see you next week.